0: Welcome to the First Lutheran Church, located at 512 South Cale Avenue in Miles City, with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. An abbreviated reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the twelfth chapter. Jesus said, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make Purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. my ear resonates to one of the older translations of the opening verse of today's uh, gospel lesson. Have no fear little flock, for the Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. It has been good to see so many throughout the course of this summer, a time typically when church attendance can flag as people are uh, occupied by many things and this year we have noticed that the numbers stay strong Uh, and uh, reason to both celebrate and reflect. In the process of reflection I observe that unless you live under the proverbial rock you know that all is not well in the world in which we live across this country, as typically happens in July and August, tempers as well as temperatures have become overheated once again. Seems to happen every year, about this time. And so again this summer, there is also no shortage of fear and hate in the world, and specifically in the cities and on the streets of this nation. Now It was just a few summers ago that uh, the nation was transfixed by rioting and burning in our large urban cities such as Ferguson, Baltimore, the likes of which, some of us are old enough to remember, hadn't been seen since the 1960s. But then followed this rash of ambushing, killing, murdering police officers. This summer, the names of cities such as Gilroy and El Paso and Dayton lead the news, bleed the news. The news media in particular have become so jaded and so invested in this carnage that we are experiencing that the city of Chicago barely merited a mention last week because mass shootings and murder on the streets of Chicago are seen as just part of summer's weekend. Now one new addition this year, this summer, is however that the hot weather and a proliferation of rats infesting homeless camps, ironically in the richest cities in the world, certainly in the country, have led public health officials to caution against the possible outbreak of diseases not seen since the Middle Ages. And so for a moment, let's do just that and consider Europe of the Middle Ages. A few, just a few, years after the Protestant Reformation and the birth of our own religious tradition. And During that period of time, an estimated one-third of Europe's entire population was decimated, wiped out by the bubonic plague, the Black Death. The death toll, of course, was immeasurable, no one kept accurate records. In the plague's wake, people were left to ask the question, why? People sought meaning in what they had collectively had to endure, but there were no answers adequate for someone asking where was God when so many perished on the streets. Now in those torturous times, both science and medicine were little more than superstition and conjecture, and somehow it came to be believed that the ever-spreading plague was caused by rats. I'm sorry, <laughs> the ever-spreading plague was caused by cats. Close, but amiss. <laughs> caused by cats. And so in an effort to curb the spread of the disease, people were told to kill cats. Cats were to blame Well, of course, it wasn't until much later that medicine and science discovered that the bubonic plague was actually caused, spread by fleas, specifically fleas that lived upon rats. With fewer and fewer cats to curb an expanding population of rats, the people's efforts to eradicate cats actually contributed to the rodent population and, therefore, the persistence of the plague in Europe. In the 16th century, as in the 21st century, there abides a strong inclination toward finding someone or something to blame for our painful experiences and the tragedies that befall us. The question becomes Therefore, for us, in the context of today, who are the cats and who are the rats? Paul had something, I think, to say along this line. He was writing to the Romans and he wrote, he observed, there is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who has understanding. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who shows kindness. There is not even one. Their throats are open graves. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of vipers is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery are in their paths. And the way of peace They have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The problem, Paul says, is not for want of a law. The problem is not going to be addressed through treating it as an illness. One commentator I was reading this week said that uh, evil is both illiterate and irrational. You cannot write a law to prevent evil, and you cannot argue with evil or try to deal with it as though it would listen to you. Our problem, our plague is something deep, far deeper and systemic than we want to admit. And particular to the culture in which we live today, perhaps a culture married to, maybe exacerbated by, technology. Technology unimaginable, but a few short years ago. Because I've observed that over the years, that every time human technology makes some quantitative leap forward, uh, that leap in technology always exceeds our moral capacity to understand it and deal with it. When something is invented, someone will find a way to exploit it and misuse it. And so it is, and so has contemporary politics done exactly that. Contemporary politics divides groups of people in order to gain personal advantage over the other, in order to win. Some confer victim status on others because they have learned to monetize human misery by casting aspersions upon the always suspect other. Have you noticed how words once reserved and carefully measured with historical precision are now today tossed about with a wild abandon that I could not have imagined not so long ago? Nazi, concentration camp, white supremacist, racist invasion deplorable. These words are intended to hurt and to do damage to that other. Chosen or not to be insightful, such terms elicit passion, and the passion such words elicit is very often fear and even hate. Words are chosen to advantage one over the other. Incivility, has spread this summer like a contagion. Demonizing has become an integral part of contemporary culture, both in politics and even in some precincts of the church. Fear and hate are used because they work. History suggests that fear and hate often yield Anger and anger leads to violence, and we have seen violence of plenty. It is a formula as old as humankind, but now this dark formula has been married to heretofore unimaginable technology. Now, people overtaken by fear and hate, they often do strange, unproductive, and maybe even ultimately counterproductive things. Return to the Middle Ages, witness what happened to the cats and the rats. While blaming the other, attempts at self-vindication are also very commonplace. It sounds Orwellian and is as old as Adam and Eve. But recall how after their disobedience in Genesis, after Adam and Eve's disobedience, as God walked in the cool of the evening in the Garden of Eden and confronted Adam and Eve, though they had both sinned, both offered excuses for personal accountability. What does Adam say? The woman you gave me she gave me the fruit from the tree. <laughs> A double deflection. Very good. And the woman? She offered, well, the serpent tricked me. But God was not fooled. Again, it is always someone or something else's fault. And this became sin. So it is, into this hot mess of our time, this August, Christ enters again. Enters with words that the world can neither give, nor I'm going to suggest to you understand. Have no fear, little flock, for the Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. Through the proclamation of the gospel, through the grace you receive by means of the sacraments, Christ comes to you. In the midst of so much fear and so much hate that swirls around us, Christ comes to remind his own that God's kingdom is not a political kingdom. To think otherwise, you see, was part of Pontius Pilate's Error that day when he spoke to Jesus. You see, Pilate, the governor from Rome, Pilate could see no further than politics. And Pilate could see no kingdom greater than the empire ruled by a Caesar. Jesus, on the other hand, explained to him that his kingdom, God's kingdom, was different. God's kingdom was a spiritual kingdom. Thus, in our gospel lesson, after calling people to faith, for faith is the antidote to fear, Jesus went on to promise those who believe a new kingdom, even as he cautioned the gathered crowd against useless and ultimately ungodly attachments of all kinds, silver and gold, for example. These false attachments, Jesus reminds the hearer, are subject to thief and moth and rust and the list could go on to include political circumstance. Whereas treasure, in our Lord's estimation, was never found in silver and gold. Nor was what Jesus deemed precious ever to be found in political power. Power the Romans held in his day through force and power that even some of his own disciples wanted to seize from the Romans by violence, the zealots they were called. And Jesus pushes against both, reminding those who would hear him that what was truly precious, what was discoverable, only through right relationships, ultimately in an abiding relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this, he said, was true treasure the one thing that will not be taken from you. And Jesus taught, moreover, that such treasure, this kind of treasure, could only be held in the purses of the heart. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God never has, never will, come through political or earthly constructions but always and only as a gift from above. I think the failure to appreciate this, this is a failure point in the politicized church of the late 20th and now 21st century, Whenever the church seeks to be a political player. The Father has chosen to give you the kingdom The kingdom of God is a kingdom of the heart. The kingdom of God received by faith. In that kingdom there is no room for fear. Faith overcomes fear. There is no room for hate. There is neither room nor need for claims of self-righteousness. And consequently, there is no longer need to blame the other. So it is, on this conflicted and confused Sunday in August, listen as the Lord whispers. Keep the faith, you few, that are mine and here in my name. Be at peace no matter what happens beyond these walls. Be at peace in a world and as we are painfully mindful and aware in a nation filled with brokenness and illusion, littered with fear and hate. A world filled with a kind of idolatry that we seem to specialize in, in our abundance, where you are told to both trust and blame falsely, where you are little more than cats or rats, Christ is King, no matter who achieves seats of power. And so I close with sharing with you my intentional act. August, I don't like August. If you know me well, you know that. I could put a line through it on the calendar, I would. I have chosen to set my sights, therefore, Beyond this hot, politically angry, tormented summer, I choose to look toward the fall and toward Advent. Uh, Advent, huh? The color will be blue. The first season of a new church year that looks toward the promised return of the Son of Man and God's eternal reign, the kingdom of God. Advent. Advent cools the passions even as autumn cools the breezes. Advent promises to usher all people together toward that silent and holy night, the night of Jesus' birth and a peace the world cannot give. And so I invite you and many more To join me on that night, when in a manger bed will lie the true treasure the world ought long to have. And so I thank you for being here today to walk with me. And together, I promise, we will gaze upon the face of the kingdom of God on that night. Of he who is the way, the truth, and the life. And who gives, not as this world gives. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at